You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 338 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. And in the episode today, you're going to hear about a woman who was batting in baseball in high heels and a dress. There's then going to be a word from our fantastic sponsor, Pro Flowers, and then we're going to have a bonus Y article for you. So let's just get started with today's show. It's pretty obvious that no Major League Baseball player today would be caught dead wearing a dress to the plate. In fact, they'd probably be fined by the MLB if they tried for being out of uniform. But one batter wore one and turned the at-bat into an outrageous incident that left fans hooting and hollering. Nightclub singer Kitty Burke hit a ball thrown by St. Louis Cardinal pitcher Paul Daffy Dean becoming the only woman to ever bat during an official Major League Baseball game. Her at-bat did nothing to advance MLB's gender barrier that had recently risen up, but it did demonstrate baseball's amazing tendency to constantly show you something you've never seen before, even for lifelong fans. Kitty's infamous plate appearance occurred during a night game between the world champion Cardinals and the hometown Cincinnati Reds at Crossley Fields on the 31st of July 1935. The game in which Kitty made her one and only appearance was played in a slightly carnival atmosphere because the first night game in history had only taken place just two months earlier at Crosley Field on the 25th of May 1935. Night baseball was still a novelty. At the time, Crosley Fields had a seating capacity of 26,000, but the game was oversold. As a result, more than 10,000 fans were herded like cattle onto the field to watch from a roped-off area in foul territory that stretched from behind home plate and down the foul lines to the outfield fences. Kitty, a beautiful blues singer and rabid Reds rooter, was among the fans on the field. She was standing only 10 feet away from the home plate when the Cardinals' Joe Ducky Medwick stepped to the plate in the eighth inning with St. Louis ahead 2-1. Kitty disliked the brash player, especially since he had scored on his previous at-bat. Reports after the game state she yelled at him, You can't hit a lick! You couldn't even hit a ball with an ironing board! Medwick supposedly fired back, You couldn't hit if you were swinging an elephant! In the bottom of the eighth, Kitty was still fuming mad over Medwick's retort. So when the Reds' Babe Herman headed toward the batter box, Kitty decided to take action. Hey, Babe! She hollered. Lend me a bat! Herman decided to play along, so he called time and offered his bat to the lady. Wearing a dress and high heels, Kitty marched up to Herman, took his bat, and stepped into the batter's box. The crowd loved it. Well, most of them. Among the spectators was baseball commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who just a few years before had banned a 17-year-old girl from playing in the minor leagues after she struck out Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back-to-back at the time she was playing for the Yankees' double-A club. You can learn more about this in episode number 67 of this podcast. However, neither he nor plate umpire Bill Stewart tried to stop the determined woman. After taking a few practice swings, Kitty shouted to Dean to throw her a pitch. Unsure what to do, Dean just stood on the mount. By now, the crowd was in hysterics and shouting at Dean to throw the ball. Finally, umpire Billy Stewart yelled, Play ball! Rather than fire a fastball, Dean lobbed the ball underhanded. Kitty swung and hit a slow dribbler back to the pitcher. He fielded her tap and ungallantly threw her out. Kitty then ran back to the cheering crowd and into baseball history. But you won't find her name in any record book. Her appearance at the plate didn't count, even though St. Louis manager Freddie Frisch made a half-hearted argument that Cincinnati should be charged with an out. After all, the umpire had resumed the game. 
Kitty parlayed her at-bat into an act as she took on the burlesque circuit, billing herself as the only woman to ever bat in an official Major League game, let alone in high heels and a dress. She was also given a Cincinnati Red uniform from McParhill, which she used in her burlesque act. After the contest, which the Reds won 4-3 in 10 innings, Babe Herman told reporters, That's the first time abroad ever pinch it for me. While Kitty was no professional baseball player, in the early days of the game there were numerous women who played the game at a level equal to their professional baseball-playing male counterparts, most notably Lizzie, the Queen of Baseball, Murphy, who was the first person, man or woman, to play on both the National League and American League All-Star teams, who will be a subject of an upcoming episode of this podcast. Stay tuned. So guys, Valentine's Day is just a few days away, and that's why this episode of the podcast is brought to you by ProFlowers.com. There is really no reason to do anything else. I mean, it's already Wednesday, you've got until Saturday. Places are going to be selling out of roses, or the prices are going to go up. ProFlowers.com. Go click on the blue microphone in the top corner of the top right corner of the web browser and enter the promo code DK, and you'll be able to get two dozen assorted roses beautiful decadent chocolates and this stunning glass vase for $29.99 from proflowers.com. And you can even upgrade that for just $9.99 more. Instead of those regular roses, you can get two dozen long stem assorted roses, chocolates and something called an upgraded cherry vase, which is great. That's just $9.99 more. So that's a really amazing package for less than $40. Delivery is guaranteed by Valentine's Day. So if you order by midnight tonight, that's midnight on Wednesday, click on the blue microphone at the top of the proflowers.com website, enter DK, you'll be good to go. Everything sorted for you by Valentine's Day. And uh, let's just get right back to the show. Why Take Me Out to the Ball Game is sung during the seventh inning stretch. You might be surprised to learn this staple of Major League Baseball games is actually something of a modern practice, first starting as a regular part of the seventh inning stretch with the White Sox in the late 1970s, thanks to Hall of Fame broadcaster Harry Carabina, better known as Harry Carey. Before this, the song had occasionally been sung by fans at various baseball games, both amateur and in the major leagues, but never as a regular thing, nor at any designated time. The first known instance of this was at a Los Angeles high school game in 1934. It was also played before one of the games in the 1934 World Series, when Pepper Martin and the St. Louis Cardinals band played it. Harry Carey started singing the song during the seventh-inning stretch in 1971, with fans within earshot of his booth occasionally joining in. As to how this event then transitioned to a White Sox tradition, there are conflicting accounts from those involved, including a story that changed over time from then-owner Bill Veek. In one account, after Carey refused to sing over the stadium PA system, Veek tricked Carey by switching on Carey's microphone while he was singing. Probably more likely is another account that it was all planned out ahead of time. Whatever the case, in 1976, Carey started singing the song over the stadium's PA system and it became a local tradition. When Carey switched to calling games for the Cubs in 1982, he brought this tradition with him. Thanks to the fact that WGN broadcasted the Cubs games nationally, the masses quickly learned of Harry Carey's seventh-inning tradition. Shortly thereafter, variations on this tradition were adopted at other stadiums, with the song in question varying from team to team. In the end, all teams went ahead and went with Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Despite the fact that singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game during the seventh inning stretch is a modern practice, the song itself, 
about a girl named Katie Case, who wants her boyfriend to take her to a baseball game, has been around since 1908, when it was written by famed songwriter Jack Norworth, who wrote over 2,500 songs in his lifetime, including a couple of dozen that sold more than a million copies each. The music was composed by Albert von Tilzer. Funnily enough, both of these gentlemen had never actually been to a professional baseball game when they created the song. Norwood claimed the first Major League Baseball game he ever went to wasn't until the 27th of June 1940, a Dodgers-Cub game. So what inspired this non-baseball fan to write a baseball song? While riding a train to Manhattan, Norwich said he saw a sign that said, Baseball Today, Polo Grounds, and simply decided to write a song about going to a baseball game, so scribbled it down during his ride. Once the song was complete, Norworth's wife, singer-actress Nora Bays, was the first to sing it publicly, and it quickly became a hit at various vaudeville acts and then beyond, becoming one of the most popular songs of 1908. Bonus fact You'll often read that the seventh-inning stretch tradition in baseball was thanks to President William Howard Taft in 1910. The story generally goes that the extremely overweight president, after throwing out the first pitch on the 14th of April 1910 in a game between the Washington Senators and the Philadelphia Athletics, was uncomfortable sitting in the small stadium seating and, by the seventh inning, needed to stretch, so stood up. When he did this, those in attendance noticed and everyone else stood up out of respect until Taft finally sat back down after thoroughly stretching. Whether this actually happened or not, we do know that this was not the origin of the seventh-inning stretch. The first recorded instance of the seventh-inning stretch goes all the way back to the earliest days of professional baseball in 1869, where Harry Wright, who played for the Cincinnati Red Stockings at the time, wrote in a letter, The spectators all arise between halves of the seventh inning, extending their legs and arms, and sometimes walk about. In doing so, they enjoy the relief afforded by relaxation from a long posture upon hard benches. There are other documented instances of the practice of the seventh-inning stretch in both professional and amateur games before Taft. So while it's true that Taft did indeed throw out the first pitch of the game in question, and given the seventh-inning stretch was already around, I'm even willing to buy that he stood up and stretched at the appointed time but it would seem the reason the masses stood too was simply because this was already an established practice. That being said, it wasn't specifically called the seventh inning stretch until the 1920s. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.